Welcome to the Journey into Healing podcast. I'm Eric Hewlin, and I'll be hosting today's show. Let's get started. Today I'm going to continue a series titled Brilliant Finances. So far in this series, I've been deconstructing the modern-day doctrine of tithing. Once I'm done deconstructing the modern-day doctrine of tithing, I'm going to go into some stories about miraculous provision and then help guide you into renewing your mind to what a true union with God perspective of stewardship looks like. In the last episode, I discussed the tithe to the Levitical priesthood, which is what most commonly reflects what we call tithing today. That was the idea of taking 10% of something and continually handing it to some sort of priest. Today, I'm going to talk about the other two mandatory givings under the law of Moses. One for a party and one for poor people. Let's start with the party one. I'm going to give a quick overview of what that looked like, and then I'll read the scripture from Deuteronomy chapter 14. So for this particular tithe, what God was commanding is that the people would take their tithe and that they would sit down and eat it, consume it. You would partake of the tithe. You would not give this to somebody else you would be required to sit down and consume your tithe in the presence of the Lord at a place that he would pick. Can you imagine somebody telling you, take 10% of your income and then go out and spend it on yourself and call that a tithe? That would be a modern day parallel of this Deuteronomy tithe. But mind you, we're not incorporating the law for today because we're not under law, we're under grace. So Deuteronomy chapter 14, I'm going to read verses 22 through 27. You shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year. And before the Lord your God, in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine, and of your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. And if the way is too long for you, so that you are not able to carry the tithe, when the Lord your God blesses you, because the place is too far from you, which the Lord your God chooses, to set his name there, then you shall turn it into money And bind up the money in your hand, and go to the place that the Lord your God chooses, and spend the money for whatever you desire, oxen, or sheep, or wine, or strong drink, whatever your appetite craves. And you shall eat there before the Lord your God, and rejoice, you and your household. And you shall not neglect the Levite who is within your towns, for he has no portion or inheritance with you. 
I want to go over a few things in this scripture, in this uh, passage. So first, it's showing what are we tithing? We're tithing the yield of seed that comes from the field. That's food. We're tithing food. The purpose of this tithe is to sit down and eat and consume the tithe. So you would consume your tithe. And the purpose was to fear the Lord your God always so that you can learn to fear him. And then if you look, if, if you're going too far, mind you, these days they didn't have cars. So trying to carry a tenth of all of your crops, your animals, that could be kind of a hassle. So if that was the case, you're going a long distance. God allowed you in that scenario to take and turn your food into money carry the money with you and then you got to the place that God decided hey this is the magic place that I'm dwelling for now for this festival once you got there you would take your money and you'd go buy food wine strong drink I mean this is alcohol he's saying you get to buy with with your tithe I've never heard a church preach take 10% of my money and go down to the liquor store but they would take all of that they'd sit down and they would consume it together. They would eat. This, And then it mentioned was the Levite. Don't forget the Levite. Because as we discussed in the last episode, the Levite doesn't have an inheritance amongst the people. So for the Levitical priests, they needed to come and share. So tithing kind of carried a, a dual purpose. One, it was a form of a constant sacrifice being made, but not an animal sacrifice but it was a constant sacrifice being made to help support those who were making sacrifices, the Levites. So far, we have seen a tithe to the Levites and a tithe to have a party. Let's move on to the next one, the tithe for the poor people. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 28 through 29. At the end of every three years, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns. And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are within your towns, shall come and eat and be filled, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands." that you do. So what's going on in this scenario? Well, here it's every three years. It's not every year. It's every three years. There's a tithe. And the purpose of this tithe was to put food in the hands of those who might need blessings with food. The Levite had no inheritance or portion among the people. Can you imagine being a Levite priest where you have a command by God to serve in the temple and then you're just hoping that the community around you is going to be obedient to God when it comes to providing you food and you're hoping that enough food comes in for you to eat. But also mentioned the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow. What we're looking at is people here that might be poor people that might be struggling, people that might need assistance. This was a local food bank being set up. And that's basically what it was. It was a local food bank. 
where was the food stored? Well, there was actually a local place in a lot of these communities called a storehouse. And in this storehouse is where they would store the food. I want to go over to Malachi chapter 3 because this is a section that's often been quoted in connection with the modern day deceptive teaching on tithing. And this, this has been used out of context in many, many ways, but I would like to go ahead and read some of this passage and start to draw it into context according to what scripture actually teaches. So Malachi chapter 3, I'm going to start at verse 5. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired workers in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. I'm going to pause it really here and point out we're talking about the widow the fatherless, the sojourner. We just heard about these people in Deuteronomy chapter 14, where it was referring to the tithe that was required every three years, food to be put aside into the storehouse. So here God is telling the Israelites that there will be a judgment on them if they have thrust aside the sojourner, if they have oppressed the uh, widows and the fatherless by not bringing this food to them, which history says was problematic in that particular society. Carrying on in Malachi chapter 3, starting at verse 6, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with the curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. So this is one of the most common passages that I have heard throughout my church-going experience, often used somehow to refer to the idea that you should have to give 10% of your money to whatever church or religious organization happens to be preaching this. So let's break down this passage. Let's go through this. Starting at we got verse 7 where it says, Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Well, I'm going to tell you, under the new covenant, he lives in you. You can't get away from God. 
Now, it's possible that you can embrace sin and put a veil over your face. Scripture declares, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It's possible to just not become pure so that we don't see God with us. But Scripture declares he will never leave us nor forsake us. We are the dwelling place of God. Down here in verse 9 and 10, where it says, Bring the full tithe in the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Well, the house of God is no longer a building. It's not the temple. It's, it's not where the Levites are. It is you, your physical body, my physical body. We are literally the dwelling place of God under the new covenant. Scripture also declares in Galatians that we have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Not everybody still preaches this idea that we are cursed if you don't tithe, but I have heard churches that do preach that. They say God will curse your finances unless you do what the church calls tithing. That's unbiblical. That That's contrary to the new covenant. In the new covenant, we're under grace. Jesus became a curse for us so that we are no longer under the curse of the law. We get to walk in the blessings of God because of what Jesus has done. Under the new covenant, God isn't looking to you to say, hey, did you put enough crops in the storehouse? He's looking to Jesus to say, hey, did Jesus sacrifice enough? And the answer is and will always be yes, because Jesus has already sacrificed his entire life for us. In verse 10, we see that the tithe is food. He literally says, bring the full tithe in the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Well, and we've seen over and over and over that tithing is only food. It's never money. This idea of spiritualizing Old Testament food to New Testament money is manipulation for the purpose of emptying out people's pockets. That's not good. That's not grace and that's not God. That might be the knowledge of good and evil to where we are told that we're doing a good deed in the name of God, but what we're not doing is flowing from the Spirit of God. And remember, Scripture does not declare that the whole of creation is waiting for a bunch of people to do the knowledge of good supposedly in the name of God. It declares it's waiting for the whole of creation. Uh, they're waiting for the revealing of the children of God those who are led not by the knowledge of good and evil, but by the Spirit of God. What about this verse that says, And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Well, what is this opening the windows of heaven? Well, let's go over to Genesis chapter 7. This is the story of Noah and the flood. Genesis chapter 7, starting at verse 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of the heavens were open. And rain fell upon the earth forty days and forty nights. When the windows of heaven are opened up, it was rain, literally rain. Remember, what, what, what the tithe here is, is it's food, it's crops. 
Now, I don't know if y'all do gardening. I do. I love to garden. And I imagine back in their day, they probably did not have a nice sprinkler system like I do. I can just pull up my phone, click a button, and it starts watering my garden. That's awesome. Something tells me that technology did not exist in the days of Malachi. So they needed water, rain from heaven. And the Lord literally says, hey, if you'll take some of your food, you know, get your corn, get your peas, your carrots, whatever, go put them in the storehouse, then I will pour out more rain upon you. I will give you more rain to water your crops and you will have a more abundant harvest. He is the God that makes the rain fall. He can fulfill that promise. For us to take this verse and this open up the windows of heaven and spiritualize it to, hey, if I put a dollar in some guy's pocket, then the Lord's going to, what, open up the clouds of heaven and make dollar bills start raining? God does not do that, at least not that I've experienced. I've never seen a rain cloud pouring out $100 bills, but that would be pretty awesome. But if we actually take and put this scripture back in context, Malachi is not preaching to the New Covenant Church to establish a system of financing Jesus' church. Keep in mind, Jesus had not even established his church at this point in time. Malachi is speaking to something that was already established that was supposed to feed the Levites, the poor people, the sojourners, the fatherless, and so on. And what was going on is the people had simply quit feeding them. They weren't fulfilling that commitment. And that is why the Lord talks about cursed with the curse for robbing him, because the very poor people, the widows and so on that God has a heart for, the people quit supporting. I would also like to point out that under the Old Testament, there was no law requiring everybody to farm or raise livestock. You would have had lawyers, scribes, judges, people that may have had full-time careers doing things other than farming. Now, if they were not required to produce crops, they would not have crops on which to tithe. Or what if they had a small garden? What if they were just growing some basil in the house and then they purchased the rest of their food? There'd be a tiny amount of basil that they might tithe off of, but they wouldn't have a large crop. It wouldn't be the totality of their stuff. It wouldn't be off their income. If I was a lawyer in that day and I was primarily practicing law, but I happened to be growing some basil, it's very likely that if I was a, a, a Jewish person, an Israelite, living in the land of Canaan, tithing to the Levitical priesthood, and I was in that particular system, that I would give 10% of my basil, but I would not be giving 10% of however much money that I was collecting from being a lawyer. Because again, the Levites had no portion or inheritance among the people. Why would they get inheritance from my dollars if they don't have an inheritance amongst me if I was in that land? I would help to feed them for their service. There's the tithing of the crops. But with no inheritance amongst the people, they have no reason to start collecting the people's money. So far, we've seen that the tithe out of the law of Moses does not appear to be applicable to today. And in the next episode, I'm going to talk about some of the teachings of Jesus that even further make it very clear 
that tithing is part of the law. But just a quick mention, so if tithing is not the system by which we're supposed to finance modern-day ministry, how are we supposed to finance ministry today? And the short answer is by following the voice of God and not a rule designed to replace the voice of God. Blessings, and I'll see you in the next episode.